What's up, everybody? It's Austin Rivers from Off Guard, and I've got some exciting news. Off Guard, hosted by me and my guy, Pasha Hagigi, is officially moving to our own podcast feed. We are now dropping two shows every week. Me and Pasha go way back and talk so much hoops already that we figured it was time to fire up the mics and let you in on these conversations. Every week, Pasha and myself will hit on the biggest stories happening around the league. Tap into the show twice a week on our new Off Guard feed on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the Ringer NBA show presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here, and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all in one page. Plus, start betting on the Explorer page and the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gambling. Please visit theringer.com backslash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 years and older and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com backslash RG. This episode is brought to you by Sonic. Fuel up for game day and any day, really, at Sonic for a limited time. You can get the new $1.99 Sonic Crispy Tender Wraps. And trust me, you don't want to miss out. A crispy chicken tender and bold flavors like hickory barbecue and cheesy Baja. Crisp lettuce and melty cheese that make the perfect bite. So go get yourself some TLC, some tender love and chicken. And buy a $1.99 Sonic Crispy Chicken Tender Wrap today. Tax not included. Limited time only at participated Sonic drive-ins. What's poppin'? Real ones, Logan Murdoch here. No Raja today. I am here because it is motherfucking Mondays. High above New York City with the one and only Howard motherfucking Beck. How are you, Howard? It's good to see you. I'm in person. This is an historical event. How you doing? Historic. It should be like a national holiday or something. Yeah. We're, we're in the same room, yeah. in the same building, in the same city. As you say, high above uh, New York, high above uh, the uh, the East River and the harbor. Yeah, we are live from Spotify Studios in New York. This is pretty cool. This is this is a pretty cool moment for real ones, and I'm happy to share this with you, Howard. Well, I don't know what else to say. This is pretty cool. I'm kind of speechless right now. We hadn't even seen each other in person since I got the job, right? I so, know. so this is great. Why can't we get Raja here? Raja, get get out of Florida. Get yep. out, like come to civilization. To join us here in New York. Pull up to New York, man. We got producer Stefan in the flesh. Shout out to Valdos, the state. We out here in these streets. You know what I mean? VSU in the building. Okay. Anyways. Um, Valdos, the state. That's the first uh, shout out in history to Valdosta Actually, state. second, because I did a story with another Valdosta state student by the name of Wale. Nice. And he shouted out nice. uh, rapping at Foster Hall. Uh, and freestyling there. So, huh, second one on the Ringer Airways. We're here. Um Anyway, we're in New York, and over the weekend, LeBron James was also in New York, and he caused quite a stir, and I kind of want to talk through this because it seems like, and this is something that, you know, we've seen throughout his career, just, he he brought, like, the first subliminal tweet to Los Angeles of his career, right? It was all cool, and it was chill. He was signing so many deals. Now he has a player option coming up next year. And now he's all of a sudden being coy about his future once again. 
How is this playing right now, Howard? And is this going to go the way LeBron thinks he do? Because there's a couple of things that at, at play here for me with the you know with the Laker fan base and just the Laker franchise as a whole. And I've been talking through this in my head for the last two days, but I think that. I don't know if he can do this, the same tactics that he does for control that he did or tried to do in Miami and definitely got away with in Cleveland. I don't know how that's going to play in a franchise like Los Angeles where it's a, it's the the franchise with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, with Magic Johnson, with Kobe Bryant. Um, and he's also a guy that hasn't won in the way that was promised um, when he got there. He's he's LeBron James on one end, but he's also a member of a Lakers organization that has indiv- had players who have way better individual uh, successes in that uniform. Do you think that this is going to play the way he thinks it's going to play with this control type tactic in the normal LeBron uh, type way? See, I think it's less about whether LeBron can have the same impact on the Lakers and that franchise, given all of its history and all of its luminaries versus the other teams he's been with, I think it's less about that and more about this is LeBron at age 39 and counting as opposed to LeBron at age 28 or 32 even, where when he did the passive-aggressive stuff, especially in Cleveland, like Miami, I don't remember how much passive-aggressive stuff he actually did. Like, you can't mess with Pat Riley and his culture, right? Like, sure. that's you, you can try, but it's ultimately Pat Riley's show. Cleveland, he certainly flexes muscles a lot, and he certainly said and did and posted and hinted at and all these other things to try to make them uncomfortable at times when LeBron thought the roster was not up to snuff. By the way, he was almost always right about that. Um, with the Lakers, I think it's more just about the fact that like he's 39. And so if he's making either quietly, subtly, not so subtly noises about the state of things, one, there's only so much they can, that they can do. But two, like they're not in a position where they're going to want to... We saw this a year ago. They don't want to mortgage the future, right? How reluctant were they? All that time when we were like, they got to get rid of Westbrook. They got to trade Westbrook and get get more pieces back. They need, they've got all these other needs. Trade Westbrook into two future firsts if you have to, to get X, Y, and Z. And it was always, no, 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 no. They don't want to do that. That's their ticket to their post-LeBron future. They can't afford it. And then they eventually did give up one of those picks in all the moves that they made last uh, February. And um, they were better off for it. Not good enough right now, but they were better off for it. And they have, I think, one movable pick right now, but when they get to the summer, they're going to have, like I think, two, three more because of the way that the NBA's rules work on future picks. But they don't want to have to give up too much of the future because they're the team that has LeBron the closest to the end. Remember, even Cleveland, the the, the last time through, not because of his age, but because they weren't sure if he was staying. They didn't want to give up like that Nets pick that became the eighth pick, which became Colin Sexton, but they didn't, the Cavs did not want to trade that pick to get LeBron immediate help because they're like, well, you might leave tomorrow. And in the Lakers case, it's, well, you might retire tomorrow or he could leave as a free agent this summer. And yeah, given the opportunity to like clarify things the other day, was it McMenamin who asked him? I believe so. Yeah. And LeBron's like, eh, yeah, we'll talk about that some other time. I mean, you you could reassure people if you want to, but yeah, this is the time of year, February, coming up on the trade deadline, when LeBron's not going to reassure you of anything. Yeah, he's going to make you nervous as hell. By the way, again, I kind of like it. I, he should. Yeah, the, the 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 organization's obligated to get you as much help as you can to win what, championships. What do you think he gains from being coy all of a sudden? Right, because he like, I I think ever since his first 
maybe his first few years in Cleveland, I don't think that there has been a sure bet that he is going to stay in a place. Like I see, I don't see him. I don't necessarily see him leaving um, Los Angeles just for the simple fact that he is entrenched himself in LA. His family loves it there. Um, for all intents and purposes, if he went somewhere else, like his kid, his, his kid is playing at USC. His other ki- his other kid is playing high school basketball in LA. As much of a family man LeBron is, I just don't see him entrenching his way to say like a Philadelphia or somewhere else just to be a s- number two to someone else. I just don't see that at this point. When so, what does he gain from doing this part when it doesn't? Even if he does leave, he's thirty nine years old, right? And it's not like he is. It's a it's a twenty five year old LeBron leaving. Yeah. What does he gain from this? From from doing this. Nothing other than keeping the pressure on Rob Palenka to get him better help, right? Like, I, I think, you know, it's pretty clear, and some of my friends who are Laker fans uh, vehemently disagree with me on this, and we've had some, some uh, spirited discussions over various channels recently, but I don't believe the Lakers have enough to truly contend this season. I don't think, like, John Hollinger, uh, I think it was a week or so ago in The Athletic, it might have been a little hyperbolic on his part, maybe intentionally so, but he basically said that like the Lakers 3 through 15 were the worst 3 through 15 in the league. <laughs> now, that's pretty rough when you consider that the, the Detroit Pistons exist yeah. and the Hornets exist. Um, they I'm, do? The Hornets exist? I can't actually prove it. I take I withdraw it, Your Honor. Okay. I cannot actually. <laughs> I can't prove that the Charlotte Hornets exist as a franchise <laughs> or that they ever have. Um, going going all the way back to like the Jamal Mashburn days or something. Um the second version of the Hornets, the the uh, Bobcats Hornets, uh, I can't prove exist. So, even if that was hyperbolic, the Lakers three through fifteen are 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 pretty weak. Like, here's the the fun game to play. Um, outside of LeBron and Anthony Davis, and probably Austin Reeves, how many of those players would actually start on any of the actual contenders? And then as a, as a corollary to that, or just a, another fun thought exercise, how many of the Lakers players, other than LeBron, Anthony Davis, and again, I'll throw Austin Reeves into it, how many of those players do other teams really truly want? Because this is the other problem here. As we sit here on Monday morning talking about Laker potential trades and the pressure that LeBron is subtly or not so subtly putting on them, the trade deadline's a few days away here, uh, you know, it, how many of those players do do other teams want? Like D'Angelo Russell, like we, he's on another one of those hot streaks. Everybody's always like, it's, he's fun to watch. Hey, he's he's got he's got talent, but like there's teams, always another shooter drop for D'Angelo Russell performances. Yeah, and teams just teams around the league are just very wary of him. They're just not. It, it it has nothing to do, or has only a little bit to do with his play, and a lot to do with everything else. But like people, teams around the league are not clamoring to get D'Angelo Russell. They're not clamoring to get anybody on this roster. Like it's. They've got, and this is not to dump on them. They're good players, but they are not the caliber of the first of all the three through five that you need next to a LeBron and AD to make them a contender. Much less the six through ten, and and so that they're they're kind of they. I don't want to say they're hemmed in, but it, it's it's an uphill battle. It's just interesting because last year, and I I I fell for the banana in the tailpipe. I will admit it. You guys can listen to all past uh, real ones episodes. I thought with that roster last year and the run that they had that rejuvenated LeBron, he was injured and then he came back, they did really well. I thought that that could be a contender, right? Because they had proven that maybe with a year in a training camp under their belt. What I didn't account for was the drop-off in, in this way. Like, how what, what do you think about 
that how did they get from a place where they they were in the Western Conference Finals and looking like a team like, oh man, this is a nice little bench. They could probably do yeah. something with a full season. How did we get from there to where we are now? Yeah, listen, all right, look, while while we're all admitting um you know, whatever. I may or may not have picked them to go to the finals this year. That was not... <laughs> I did pick them to go to the finals this year. Not only that, but I liked the moves they made at the trade deadline last, uh, last February, and I liked their offseason. We all praised their offseason. Yeah. Who didn't praise their offseason? So what? It hasn't worked. So you, you have to deal with the reality of it. Um, and by the way, it's fine for us to be wrong. We're just, you know, freaking pundits, right? The person who needs to be right is Rob Polink and his staff. So even if we praised you for it and we were wrong, it's okay for us to be wrong. You're the one who has to be right. It's your team to fix, not ours. Um, don't listen to us. <laughs> um, no, I thought they'd be better than they were. And it's funny. This is the crux of the argument that I've had with one particular friend who's who's a diehard Laker fan who's saying, listen to me. He's, he's like, the last 30 whatever games of the season and then through the playoffs and all the way to the conference finals, this was one of the best teams in the league. Dominant defensively. Everything was clicking. Maybe not everything. They did get swept. I know it was a really close sweep, but you still did not take a single game. But also, game from you the know, they got swept by the champs. So yeah, like, there's, there's the nothing. Champs. There's nothing. Yeah. To, they also like beat a really broken Grizzlies team and whatever. Um, and a broken it, Warriors team. Yeah. So you have to put it in context, and also like thirty something games. It's a decent sample size, but it's not. It, it's still like a piece of a season. And teams can get hot for a couple of months and then fall off or be crappy for a couple of months and then get hot later. Like it, 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 you just never know. I can't place that much stock in it. But uh, the case that's been made to me is if we were this good then, and they're not now, it's Darvin Ham's fault. <laughs> that's that's where this is going. That's the debate I've been having. Yo, man, I've, we've talked to a lot of Lakers people over the last couple of weeks. The Darvin Ham... Just vitriol. Laker from, fans are not having. They it Laker him. fans hate him. Some people in the building hate him. It's just it's 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 not great for Darvin Ham, and it's it's it's. I'm surprised he's still he's still around right now. I, to I'll be just, honest with you, but I'll just say this. Okay, so they're 26 and 25 as you and I record this, and a a a co any coach whatever like there's 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 like that the range of of coaches in the NBA you know good to great to bad to whatever it's not that vast right like there is a there there are tiers and everything else but even the worst coach in the nba whoever that may be i'm not saying it's darvin ham whoever the worst coach in the nba is you're not taking a 50 plus win contending type team and turning them into a 500 team by your rotation decisions yeah all for right sure. Talent rules in this league. The coach can make a difference around the edges. The coach can, you know, a good coach can get more out of a team. A bad coach might weigh a team down a little bit. But a, I'm telling you, folks, it, it would it would take a lot to take a truly elite contending type team and turn them into a 500 team just on the strength of your lineup and rotation. Okay, I have a question for you. I'll, I'll throw you some names. Okay, like that that guys that you. Think could make this better, right? I thought you were going to ask me like, how many? You were going to start throwing me coaches like yeah, who would actually burn? A, no, no, burn a team down. Like if this oh, guy no. had been in charge of the '90s Bulls, <laughs> would they actually have been a two hundred percent? I'm just talking about with this team, right? right? Like, no, thank you. Right, that you're not asking no. me to actually ins uh, insult any old coaches. No, 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 no. You have no problem with that anyway, so it's fine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> when uh, let, I'm with Eric Spolstra, could Eric Spolstra make this? Mm. Could could he make them ten games better than they are right now? Listen. Spolstra, Ty Lue, who they could have hired, notably. Sorry to pour salt in that wound, Laker fans. But like, yeah, a different coach, a better coach, uh, a more established coach, 
perhaps would have them in a better position right now. But I don't think leaps and bounds. My point is not that a, a different coach, my point is not that coaches, that there's no difference between them. It's not that. My point is that ultimately, whether the Lakers are truly contenders this season or not, comes down to their talent. You, you don't coach your way to a championship very often in this league. You need, and if you do, it's because you had elite talent, your opponent had elite talent, but you managed yours just a little bit better than they did or something. It's so like, not, like like Rudy Tomjanovich with the uh, the Houston Rockets of the 90s. Is that a fair session? I'm, I'm but he's also a Hall of Fame coach, right? Like, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I'm sure there are some decent examples if we thought about it, but I just, I just mean it's, it's to get too deep in the playoffs and especially to the finals in the first place. First, you have to have the requisite elite talent. The the greatest coach in history is not coaching a so-so team with no stars on it to the finals. It doesn't work that way in this league. So the point is not to take pressure off of Ham or blame off of Ham. The point is not to defend Darvin Ham. The point is just that for the Laker fans who think that like firing him and replacing him with, you know, fill in the blank is going to suddenly solve everything. No, no, it's not. That's not the issue. And also, by the way, it's not exactly the same team that had that hot finish to the season last year. Schroeder's not on the team anymore. Schroeder's not on the team. Malik B. I know Beasley wasn't great for them, but but this is a team that like is one of the worst in the league in three-point shooting. And Beasley's actually a decent three-point shooter. He can't defend a lick, but you know. Um, Vanderbilt's been hurt. He was one of the other big pickups. Gabe Vincent. Gabe Vincent's been hurt. He was a big pickup last summer. It's not exactly the same team. Um, and LeBron's another year older. And, you know, granted, LeBron and AD have played almost all their games. So that's been a plus and they still haven't been able to break through. But at the end of it, that's that's how you know. You look at the supporting cast and you're like, they just, they don't have enough. And like some of the things that we've been kicking around for months, like, well, you know, yeah, Zach Levine would be expensive, but shit, he's exactly what they need, right? Like a guy who can score, create. No, that's off the table. <laughs> now that's off the table. They didn't want to make that investment anyway. But like, I don't, you know, I don't know what the options are, but, um, but I, yes, a, a different, a more established coach could do more, but it wouldn't, I don't think it, it's the difference between them being like wherever they are in the West, you know, 10th or whatever versus like second. It, it's not that dramatic. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes you know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York. You want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away? Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. Bandle's putting the ball in your court for the rest of the NBA season. Because right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. That's $200 if your bet wins. Let's take a look at the games tonight. Um, Lakers-Hornets taking the over. Kings-Cavs taking the over. Mavs-Sixers, huh, taking the over. Clippers-Hawks, that's interesting. I'm taking the over on that. So visit FanDuel.com slash RingerNBA and make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NBA. Must be 21 years and older and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.theringer.com backslash RG. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. I want to get back to LeBron really quickly because I was reading um, I was reading LA Times the other, uh, 
a couple of days ago and I saw Bill Plasky just eviscerate LeBron, right? Just, a, just, it was just, it was what he's just been on LeBron's head for fucking years now. But like, he just, he just got like, he saw that, that thread and just said, I'm just going to go, I'm just going to, I'm just going to punch him in the chest. I'm just going to just do one real quick. Basically talked about how just good riddance LeBron, right? Um, because of this. And, be, and I guess the gist of it was, you know, I, this is, this is what I brought from it is, LeBron is a guy that is out for LeBron, and LeBron is someone that um, does play these mind games, but those don't really track. And I'm really curious to see, like, what the Lakers – you talk to Laker fans a lot. I talk to Laker fans a lot. What do you think that this does? Like, LeBron is the global face for player empowerment. He brought in this new era, but – that doesn't seem to jibe well with a fan base like the Lakers who want like loyalty is one thing, but they kind of just want you to be down with the cause and just be down with them. And LeBron seems to be incapable of doing that, even when he has a Laker moment. What do you think this Lake, this latest bit of, I mean, it's, I'm not going to say it's non news because everything LeBron does is calculated. How will this track right now in the short term in Laker Nation. And honestly, what will if it's if it goes the way it is right now with LeBron, I think he's only one he's won a like maybe won a bubble title and he got to the Western Conference Finals. But there has not been this winning that was expected when he came here. How is how is this going to track now? His like I don't want to say behavior, but his actions track now and beyond when it's all said and done when he's a lot like ended his career. How are we going to look back on this era of LeBron James in the Laker uniform? So it's it's fascinating. The moment he signed with the Lakers, like, okay, one of the all-time greats, and by mo- uh, most people's assessments, right, he's a you know, discussion for GOAT with Jordan, or if you want to expand that to Kareem, whatever, but LeBron is going to be, he's going to go down as one of the top two, three players of all time. And now he's joining this franchise that is one of the greatest franchises of all time, but it's a franchise that had Kobe and Shaq and Magic and Kareem and Jerry West and Elgin Baylor. George Mikan, put some perspective. George, George Mikan, George Mikan shout, out to, shout out to a guy with glasses. Um, <laughs> so when you came up in the franchise, as Magic did or as, as Kobe did, or even if you came in early as Shaq did four years in, right? Kareem was pretty deep into his career, but we don't think of Kareem as as a buck, right? We just think of him as a Laker because he was there a long time and he won most of his championships there. He had a nice long run. LeBron came in so late in his career arc, like from day one. And partially, you know, look, I I covered that team for seven years during the Shaq and Kobe era. And so I think I have at least a little bit of a feel for like how that franchise thinks of itself, how, how people in LA think of that franchise. Like I... I, I, I'm not as well positioned as some people who grew up there, but it, it, it felt to me, even the moment that LeBron got there, the question in my mind was always, will they really feel like he's a Laker? Is he just like, is he an all-time great Laker or an all-time great who happened to be a Laker for a time, yeah. right? Forgive me, I'm doing this on the fly. Was he going to be like Steve Nash or was he going to be Wilt Chamberlain, right? You know what I'm saying? Where it's like Steve came late in his career, Wilt also came late in his career, but you... You consider him an all-time great Laker, right? Because yeah. he was on the 72 team and all these things. I don't know where LeBron fits in that in that ecosystem. The ch- so the ch- the championship matters, right? Like that that's like that's huge, right? Because it's probably the only one he's getting there. But at least he got one there. But the Lakers weren't getting perennial MVP candidate LeBron anymore, right? Like they weren't getting um, 
Even on that nineteen twenty season, you can make a case, an MVP case for him. Yeah, there, there was a case that year, but I, but by perennial, I mean like you knew that be based on his age and mileage alone, that um, it, it, even if he got back in that discussion, it wasn't going to last very long, most likely. So again, all time great Laker or just an all time great who happened to be a Laker, and that's a huge difference. Like it's the same w- basic words in the sentence, but it's not the same thing. And when he first got there, remember, like, there were a lot of Kobe fans in particular who were, like, kind of like, I don't know how I feel about this. And then LeBron hit some early milestone. I can't remember what it was. Obviously not the scoring title last season, which he got a very nice ovation for. But he had gotten some other record, whatever it was, first or second year there, second year, I think. And it was like this really kind of felt like muted response. No, he passed Michael Jordan on the scoring list. Was that it? I think that was one of the big first accomplishments. It was one of those like stoppage of game, announce it, come to yeah. the crowd things. And Staples Center was kind of like, you know, golf Well, clapping. that was towards the end of the season when they were losing. It was 18-19 season. So okay. I, I yeah. could see why they would be that way. But I just think that there's a there's always been a little bit of a reticence there to embrace him, especially because for a time, it was kind of a forced rivalry, but there was this kind of Kobe versus LeBron thing for a long time during the back half of Kobe's I'm gonna just, career. I'm going to just speak on me and Stefan right now. That shit was real. <laughs> that shit was real. All right. <laughs> for, for, for like a, a, a younger a younger generation coming up, like yeah. y- you were either a LeBron fan or you were a Kobe fan. And that was what that shit was. And I was on the Kobe side of it as like in high school and all those things. And then you come up and you kind of had to like, ah, LeBron's better. It. I think Laker and Kobe fans didn't admit that LeBron was better until like, Four years later, four years after the fact that it like was like after true. Kobe's Achilles blew or no, something. No, 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 no. <laughs> probably like they were still there. I would say probably like 12, 13, LeBron. It was like, damn, this shit is undeniable, right? But like LeBron was better than Kobe four years before that. That part I remember. I do remember like this kind of like this very like slow to come around perspective on like, man, this. LeBron like looks really even good, the Olympics, but, right? It was yeah. like, yo, the, the Olympic team wouldn't even won without Kobe, even though Kobe was a defensive stopper. He would score occasionally on that Olympic yeah. team, but we would see like, yo, you see that that fucking defensive mindset? That is Kobe influencing this team. All right, so the all right, that's uh, why he's better than him. <laughs> that was we were just Laker fans, I, Kobe fans, were just pulling shit out of the wall just to see. To make right, an point, excuse point for it. Point withdrawn about the manufactured. <laughs> there was rivalry. no manufactured. There was, there was some realness too. I just I think of it as like first of all, they don't play the same position. They weren't really guarding each it was other more much. The league wanted it in the finals. The league and and also like Nike had like the the freaking yeah. puppet commercials, right? Sure. So it felt like the brands were trying to make this a rivalry. And also, it was more like the mythical rivalry. Like Kobe is kind of the standard bearer for this period of time in the post-Jordan era, and both Le- came out of high school, right? And LeBron's the new guy, um, and so for for a long time in the earlier part of LeBron's career, and so partially in the back half of Kobe's, it was like people really wanted to be a rivalry, and then it was like they really wanted them to meet in the finals, and it just didn't ha- like the Lakers just like th- th- that implosion they had against the Mavericks that one year. Yeah. Um, so it just never happened. So I don't know. I, when I think of rivalry, I think like even like <laughs> Dirk and Dwayne Wade were kind of funky rivals, right? Not the same position, not in the same conference. But they just didn't have the level played, of stands on either side. That no. was the bigger thing. They, they didn't have, yeah. And they didn't have the same position in in league, uh, th- those league tiers, right? Like yeah. Kobe's a, a top 10 all-timer and LeBron is in the GOAT discussion now and, and was definitely gone as tr- on that trajectory Dirk and Dwayne are like all-time greats who are just not at that level. But but they did. They met in the finals twice. And those those two series had a huge impact on each other's careers. Um, it was cool. They did a podcast with each other recently. I think it was Wade's podcast and Dirk went on. 
Um, and they didn't, you know, they, they don't really like each other that much. Like, I've, there's always been like, I don't know if they dislike each other. There's always been a tension. But Kobe and LeBron, like, when did they meet with stakes on the table? Other than the mythical title of, of MLK Day 2009. <laughs> 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 yes. Yeah, that, there were stakes there. I'm, Howard, I'm telling you, you just don't understand. All like, right, all right. For a 15-year-old, 16-year-old, right. it was I, that shit was like, nah, because you had to go to school the next day and mm. plead your case. That's what that was what the, I was with the rival. I'm telling you. This is what the streets was. This this was the streets right. was talking. I'm telling you. Anyway, we we've got the, what, we got to get back to your point. What were you saying? Though? I have no idea. Uh, <laughs> how how will how will how will uh, L A um, how will L A treat yeah. LeBron and view LeBron? Because I also think that like LeBron has like kind of embraced the L A thing while also trying to take it over. Like he's trying to take over L A prep scene in a way that's kind of murky, right? Like. His son is a is a McDonald's All American. Where when there was another guy, I'm not I'm forgetting the names, but this is what LA talk is, right? Where the the other another kid was probably more deserving than Bronny, but Bronny gets the look, right? It's just there's a lot of like nuance and weirdness going on with LeBron in LA that it just doesn't it doesn't seem like as seamless of a marriage that it could. Whereas Kobe was just ingratiated into. The, into that world, it seems like LeBron is trying to force his way into it without actually giving love to Los Angeles. It just feels there's this weird balance that it seems like they're LA and LeBron are just circling each other, even as a, a LeBron lives in LA. Well, so let's bring this back to where this discussion began, right? Because you were asking about like LeBron doing the passive aggressive thing with with uh, tweeting about tweeting the the uh, the hourglass and being coy about it, being coy about whether he's staying or opting out and all this stuff. There's a lot you can get away with if you've built up enough uh, of, of of a reserve of goodwill, right? And mm -hmm. LeBron hasn't been there long enough or accomplished enough as a Laker, I think, to probably have built that up. But also, again, he came in toward the back half of his career. But also, so LeBron, LeBron, it's, it's not like Kobe never pulled any of this, by the way. He like, made a trade request on Stephen A. Smith, so in 2007. Yeah, a massive, massive meltdown. Um, Shaq had plenty of meltdowns during his time. Like, you can do that. If you are the franchise star for the Lakers or anybody else, you are entitled to occasionally, whether it's passive-aggressive, aggressive-aggressive, uh, not so subtle, very subtle, whatever it is, you can play the card occasionally of like, get me help. Get me this guy. Get me... It's fine. That is that is how this league works. Um, but in LeBron's case, it's always felt like LeBron and the Lakers were almost like these two different entities. In a, they're in this marriage, and they're benefiting from each other, but it doesn't feel like a partnership in, this, in the way that even even when Kobe or Shaq— Which or, is wild, because that's the most L.A. shit ever, but, you know, yeah. the arranged marriage that no one likes <laughs> in, is being in, but, you know. <laughs> um, but I, I just— Kobe used to do this thing. Kobe would talk about, it was a little corny, but Kobe would talk about like putting on the golden armor. Because mm -hmm. like Kobe had this reverence for the Lakers franchise and he was talking about it from day one. But day one for him was being 18 years old and talking about, you know, uh, having uh, his grandparents or whoever sending over the VHS tapes of Magic Johnson to when he was in Italy so he could watch. And so Kobe grows up with this reverence for Showtime and the Lakers and Magic. And on day one, he's talking about all that reverence. And then later in his career, he's talking about pulling on the golden armor. You never get the same sense from LeBron. And I'm not saying that it doesn't mean, I'm not saying it means it's not there, but it, 
partially because when you're in your mid-30s, you don't speak with the same reverence that you do when you're a teenager or early, earlier 20s because LeBron's already done it all and seen it all. And LeBron's stature in the league yeah. is almost on a level of the Lakers as a franchise. Almost. It, right? Like if you were just ranking uh, most important entities in NBA history. He's own, LeBron is his own orbit. Yeah. So it's just different because of everything that he already was before he got there. And on top of it, yeah, I don't think that LA has ever probably felt like, I don't want to speak for LA. I live in New York and have for 20 years, but like the sense I get from my, a lot of friends who are Laker fans is like, yeah, they've never, they appreciate LeBron. They're rooting hard for LeBron. They love what he's done for them. And I, I think they, they love rooting for him. But if, if, if you were starting to, I hate to say it because it feels so like obnoxious, but if you're ranking Lakers, does he know. crack the top ten? Nah. Does he? No, I'm talking. Yeah. Does he crack the top ten? That's a really. That's a big question. I'm talking about most loved Lakers. Does he? Right. The does, most beloved. Does, does yeah. he crack the top ten? It'd be. It, it, I don't think so. I really don't think so. I, w- I would be curious to hear what what like hardcore Laker fans. Does say he pass about Mark Madsen? <laughs> <laughs> you had to play the Madsen card. Um, he's definitely over Devin George. Sorry, Devin. Um, you know, is he over Michael Cooper? Michael Cooper. Well, see, that's the thing. That's another thing, right? So those those Showtime teams had a lot of beloved figures that go beyond the superstars because of the way that team played and just you know whatever. Like the, 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 like say like this, right? This is the better question. If LeBron, LeBron would never do this, but if LeBron said like, "Man, fuck Byron Scott," right? L.A. would mobilize in favor of Byron. Yeah, they would fa- take they would, Yeah, they bro, would you ain't gonna Byron's go against Morningside High. Like you're not gonna do that, yeah. right? That's that's kind of the question. Does he even crack that type of uh, top ten list? Uh, I don't know. See, like, <laughs> it's, it's, and I think that's the conundrum with LeBron is that he is a guy because he never gives himself fully to an organization. This is the consequence he gets, and I'm really just, I think I'm really just curious to see when it's all said and done, like. Miami doesn't have the best relationship with LeBron, right? Like Cleveland does, I guess, right? Because he's he's an Ohioan. I think that's probably the most natural one, right? Yeah. But like when he's a like he's going to come to all the Laker things because you get the clout that's associated with being a Laker. He's going to do that. But are they going to really like? Is he really going to be loved by an organization and a fan base for th- everything that is that? I feel like that's a sacrifice he made for the empowerment. Yeah. If he had gone from Miami back to Cleveland, won that championship, and then retired there, you would have there would be no ambiguity. You would say, "Well, LeBron established himself in Miami, but he belongs to Cleveland, right? Not just because he was born in Akron, but because he was drafted there, came back there, got them their title, even if they never won another one." He complicated his he complicated everything. People's emotions about him, the way we talk, we discuss him, the way each particular each city feels about him. They all have a piece of him, but like it's he he complicated it with this with uh deciding to make his career basically a bunch of different chapters, right? And it's the same thing like, you know, Durant was just here last week and we were all kind of like trying to assess well what is who does KD belong to? Like Oklahoma is still pretty pissed off about him, right? Like I think they'll retire his jersey someday. They have to. But see, KD's interesting because I was thinking about KD as well over this weekend too. Because I read your piece, which is really great. Go read uh, Howard's latest piece on Kevin. It's probably one of the best things that's ever been written on Kevin. Um, and but it was basically talking about this very subject where 
these guys don't have a home. And I actually asked Kevin about that when I saw him a couple of years ago, actually in New York while he was a Brooklyn Net, where he was talking about how um, every, he belongs to all of these teams. Um, and his jersey, it was funny because he said his jersey should be retired by all of these teams. I don't think that it's going to get retired by the, the Nets. Maybe. Maybe they will retire his jersey. I don't know. You would be more well-versed than that. The, the Thunder and the Warriors, yes. The Nets doesn't make sense. But I think, like, he is a Thunder for that part of his career because he's had so many iconic moments as a Thunder. I think he'll get over that. And also, as a as a Warrior, I think he I think he belongs to those two organizations in a in a, in a way, right? Like, I think that two pieces of his heart or two pieces of his career are in those two places. Um, I don't think he has that in Brooklyn necessarily. I don't think he will have that in Phoenix because I don't think they're winning a title or being that good. But that's, that's I think, the biggest lesson that we learned about empower the player empowerment era is you're not going to have a home in the way that you think to. You're going to have all the bread. You're going to have all the control. But what does that actually get you? Yeah. That's going to, you know. Let me, just, let me just, let me just think about this. Let me just make the case for LeBron real quick with the Lakers. Okay. Um, nobody came to them. For, for years, to back part of Kobe's career um, after they've, you know, done winning titles and, and then, you know. And that's like, the list is like LaMarcus Aldridge, Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant, all Carmelo, these Carmelo, all these, all yeah. these guys, LeBron a couple of times. So the Lakers couldn't get anybody to come to play with Kobe and then they couldn't get somebody to play after Kobe until LeBron committed to them. So the case for LeBron is this. After a pretty long, fallow period where they're not getting superstars, it's not, Lakers exceptionalism ain't enough anymore. They're not just flocking to, to LA just because you're the Lakers. LeBron like brings back the brand, basically. Yeah, he does. It's I've I'm planting my flag here. The, one of the greatest players in, in NBA history, still with something to do and still something, to, you know, so playing uh, for the glamour franchise. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he did it. He 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 put them, I don't want to say back on the map. The Lakers never fall off the map, but they were not a destination. They were not, you know, like. Shit, man! Like the, I mean, it's it's a year later, but like Kawhi Leonard and Paul George chose the Clippers, and Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving chose the Nets, and the Lakers hadn't had a haul like that themselves since getting Shaq and Kobe together in '96, maybe. Right? LeBron going there then draws Anthony Davis there. Is the is Anthony Davis forcing his way to LA if LeBron's not already there? I Probably mean, not. Clutch or no clutch, all that other stuff, but just in general, you go somewhere to play with another star. So LeBron, in a lot of ways, I think revived the brand, and then he got them a championship. Yeah, he he got them the championship that that ties them with the Celtics for the all time lead. Um, people could say whatever they want about that title, but it matters. It counts, and I think when all is said and done, even if they don't win another one while he's there, and I think a lot of that, by the way, has to do with just shitty roster construction. Like you look at at, at their their records. Like his first year, granted, LeBron was hurt for a lot of it, but 37 and 45 his first year. Second year is the is uh the year they win the championship, they win 52. And then it's 42 and 30, 33 and 49, 43 and 39, and now they're 26 and 25. Like it's a lackluster record. I think it's a losing record. Somebody else had, had done the math recently. A losing record if you take out the championship season. That that speaks to shitty roster construction overall, and and that's so. If LeBron's career there ends up feeling like it fell short, it's not just his fault. It's I, not his fault. I don't. I don't think like you can always say some part of it is on the star, but they got him at a late stage of his career where you couldn't rely on him to just drag you to the finals every year the way that he did in it, like in Cleveland. Mm -hmm. um, by the way, and he could also make the argument. I brought Anthony Davis here. Y'all didn't yeah. do that shit. I we I he helped, did. Yeah, like. 
I was the one that brought the the roster construction. You guys fucked it up. And he can also say a plausible deniability. Like, you guys traded for Russell Westbrook. You guys did this, even though he did push for it and did. Well, you know my position on that. You can say no to your star if you think it's a bad move. You can tell. 1,000%. So, like, it's not that he's off the hook for that one, but that's still on you as a franchise for doing it. Like, you shouldn't have done it. Um, So, yeah. We'll see. Um, Last question on this segment, and then we'll get to the mailbag. Does LeBron retire a Laker? I think he does. I, I like. I will say, a year, like fourteen months ago, I was doing a piece uh, for my previous employer um, about the fact that I thought that the, the the Lakers were kind of failing LeBron. Like LeBron was still playing at a really high level, at even at this stage of his career, and it was unprecedented for a player of his caliber at this stage of his career to be still playing at this high of a level without the requisite uh, help around him. And in the course of, of reporting that story, I had spoken to somebody who's known LeBron a long time. This is not somebody who's an officially representation or anything else, just somebody else uh, who's tight with him, who basically said, like, they better watch out. They better watch out because he will leave. And um, I did not put that in the story uh, for a variety of reasons, but I'm saying it now. Um, <laughs> somebody, somebody did, in the course of my reporting for that story, say they better watch out. Now, it, it ended up being irrelevant anyway because a couple months later – they did make all the moves to finally, you know, trade Westbrook for all the help they got, blah, blah, blah. Um, like they made the effort. Like they, they, they tried to fix that problem at least. And for a time it was fixed, but you know, that was another year plus ago. Like today, I don't know, like this stage of his career and Bronny's at USC. Like I don't, he has a really good setup in LA just yeah. in general at life space. Like this is pretty cool for LeBron. Gets to be a Laker, has the prestige of that, and gets to watch the kids grow up in Los Angeles. This is going to sound like I'm hedging. I don't think he's going to finish his career anywhere else. I think he's going to retire a Laker, but because LeBron has had the career he's had and made the choices he's made, nothing would surprise me. Like If they don't do anything by the trade deadline and the rest of the season they fall off a cliff— and, and LeBron is playing at the level that he's playing at. If he thinks I've got at least one more good run left in me, but I don't have faith that these guys can can help me get there, would I be shocked if he just like? It's funny because I was covering the Lakers when Carl Malone and Gary Payton decided to like take massive pay cuts. That was uh, your last year in LA. My last season. Gary Payton took the mid level exception, which at that time was like four and a half million or something. And I think Malone had actually said to Peyton, because they t- they discussed this together, but Malone had told Peyton, you take it, I'll take the, the veterans minimum. I don't care. I just want to try to win a championship before my career's over. And so the two of those guys came for a combined like six or seven million, yeah. which even by salary cap standards in those days was nothing. And the reason I bring that up is like, that just doesn't happen that often. LeBron, if he wanted to, could play for any team in the league. He, they don't. The cap room doesn't matter. LeBron could take the veterans minimum if he wanted to. It's like two million these days. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's going to. But he's he also could. a capitalist. Yeah, like it's 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 just and it's just different, right? Like certain guys, like some guys, they associate the money with the prestige more than others. Sure. And I think Malone and Peyton at that stage were just like, I've made enough. I want to chase a title. I've never won one. And neither Le- and one LeBron- of those guys were as good or as big as LeBron James. Right. And Le- No, and LeBron's already won four rings. So he, it's not the same level of, of desperation. Right. So, um, but he could. I'm just saying he could. Okay, man, you're hedging. Now I'm going to do my thing. Um, <laughs> he's retiring a Laker. Um, let's take a quick break and let's go to the mailbag. <laughs> This episode is brought to you by Sonic. Fuel up for game day and any day, really, at Sonic. For a limited time, 
you can get the new $1.99 Sonic Crispy Tender Wraps. And trust me, you don't want to miss out. A crispy chicken tender and bold flavors like hickory barbecue and cheesy Baja. Crisp lettuce and melty cheese that make the perfect bite. So go get yourself some TLC, some tender love and chicken. And buy a $1.99 Sonic Crispy Chicken Tender Wrap today. Tax not included. Limited time only at participated Sonic drive-ins. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash RingerMBA. Just go to Indeed.com slash RingerMBA right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You're listening to Real Ones, and I am Jade. Did you know that Howard Beck is 55 years old? That's older than producers Kai and Kerm combined. Damn, that's hella old. And we are back. We got Valdez, the state's finest. Stephon I got to correct you, Logan. Did I say it wrong? It's Virginia State. Valdasta is the one No, Valdasta, excuse me. Sorry. It's hey. the one in Georgia. I Valdasta had to, is, is there. Hold on. I got to correct Can you, you. Hey, Kern, put that shit in post. Get that figured out. <laughs> got to correct Virginia you. State. They would never let me BSU, back at home. BSU, Virginia State. They would never let me back at homecoming put if I let you Put this shit in post because I'm not about to do that. But no, I we're not going to do that part but I did get, But I did get uh, Foster Hall right. Shout I know out to that. Foster Hall. We're Shout out to Foster Hall. Shout out to Foster Hall. For sure. Okay. That is that is hey, a big shout out. Virginia <laughs> State. Yes. Remember when Virginia State would Wale and then yeah, yeah, exactly. put that all in post, Kermit. Word. All it's right. all good, Kermit. It's all good. As long as you don't ever mess up UC Davis. <laughs> Call it UC Santa Cruz. <laughs> all right. Here with the mailbag. Charles, what's up, real ones? I'm a longtime listener. I have three questions about how the media uses stats when discussing player performance. Mm. Too many times I see national sports media personalities focus on players' points per game. I believe this sends young players a message that scoring a ball is the most important measure of mm. their value on the court. Should the NBA do a better job of popularizing efficiency stats like per, pi, etc., or should they, the NBA and its media partners talk about more skill sets that and popularize the stats that measures those skills like assist to turnover ratio, rebound percentage, opponent field goal percentage? Will these stats change the way that casual fans lose, view the game? Thanks for sharing your thoughts, Charles. That's a really good question. It's a really great question. I, I'm in my writing or in how I approach the game. I tend to use stats the least amount as possible for me. Like, um, like I'll say something about points, or I'll say something about um, just the sister. He did such and such in this game, and this is how he he or they or she affected the game. Um, I try not to use stats because I feel like it gets bogged down in my writing sometimes, and I'm just being really just uh, being very transparent in my process. But I do. Uh, that being said, I do think that we can do a better job of just educating people on playing the right way, right? Because um, any person that I talk to that is in the AAU circuit or has seen these this next generation, and I've seen this too anecdotally, but I've seen. 
um, the next generation grow up, they are focused on entirely the wrong things when it comes to the fundamentals of the game. I mean, Roger rails that against that a lot on this podcast. So I think there can be a mix of both, right? Like, I think that we can do a better job of educating him with stats. But usually, and I'm just going to say this for just my observation, usually when stats are thrown at someone, um, it's usually from a condescending place. I will say that, and, and definitely in the way that this game is covered, I think we could do a better job of not being hella condescending on how we throw stats at a fan or even a casual fan. Like, you don't, he, like, like you've been, I mean, Stefan, Howard, you've been in a bar before. When you go to a bar and somebody's like, yo, man, I like this kid, and then some fucking asshole is like, well, his purse sucks, like, Bro, like I just like watching him play. Like I don't think we have to ruin the game, but I think that we can use the stats more constructively to tell a story about how a player can improve. Or even if we're just bringing up this next generation of basketball players, yo, this you should be looking at this a little bit more. Just see, you know, you don't want to throw a turnover. This is you should be thinking the game through a little bit more. It does, we can have all both sides. We can have everybody's needs met. We just don't have to be condescending about it. And I think people are when it comes to stats by and large right now. I feel like people are really condescending of how they put the the stats out. All right, speaking as the condescending person in this conversation, exactly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, because I've 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 literally done this recently, right? So like Nets fans freaking love Cam Thomas. Love Cam Thomas, right? Like you cannot it's it's dangerous. I'm just telling you now, because you're coming with me. We'll both be at the Nets game at Barclay Center tonight. Yeah. We just you gotta be careful about any Cam Thomas uh, slander. slander as the sure. kids call it. Sure. Uh I just call it criti- shade. Shade. Does shade still is that still a thing? Yeah, or is it, 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 it shade just, works? Okay. Shade works. Um have you heard of the shade room, Howard? I've, I've seen. Have you stepped into the shade room? <laughs> What's the shade store that I, w- I walk by sometimes on the street? Is, is it just called the shade store? Maybe. I've, I've always thought, like, is that where you go? No, the shade get- room is something entirely different. <laughs> the shade store. Howard being yeah. on the shade room would kill me. <laughs> would if be you crazy. Said, yeah, actually, I do follow them. I do be in the shade room. <laughs> <laughs> right, you'll, you'll, you'll have to educate me after we get off. Um, the Cam Thomas. One, really fun to watch, right? If you're watching a team and, and you, <laughs> I'm just going to say it, if you don't care whether you're winning or not, and you just want to watch a really entertaining player, Cam Thomas is really entertaining. But we've seen guys like him before, right? Guys who are, for lack of a better term, kind of gunners who just, they're, they're going to shoot every time they got it, but they're going to make a lot of tough shots. They're really skilled as scorers. Um, the Nick Nyung Memorial Award. Right. And there's a whole the bunch of- The J.R. Smith annual award, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? That, that tree of- lineage of flares for sure there's there's like there's a lot of these right and um and we've seen those those kinds of players come and go over the years sure. and they're fun and they're always kind of polarizing um so there's so i'll just i'll just i'll go to my my condescension card so i'm having the debate with my buddy of mine who's the nets fan now sure why am i in all these debates with fans of these teams what am i what am i doing logan like, you're popular what? people care about nah, your opinion so I'm having to point out to him, all right, listen, yes, Cam Thomas has, has been really fun to watch and he puts up a lot of points. However, and I did the however, and I, I sent him like freaking stat head links to all these different- You sent him some of, stat muse tweets and shit? No, uh, not, no stat muse, just stat head. That's okay. the basketball reference uh, tool to show like of all the guys who are scoring 20 points plus- his true shooting percentage, hate to say it, or his effective field goal percentage, hate to say it, they're really low among all the guys who are scoring 20 plus. His assist rate for all the guys who are scoring a lot or or have high usage rates, his assist rate is abysmal. Like this is a guy who is the classic ball dominant scorer 
who the question then becomes, and this is where I say like we are to the, to the readers uh, or the listener's question. We use the phrase a lot these days, more so now than, than in the past, does he impact winning? That's a question that we talk about now or a statement, he impacts winning or what he does doesn't impact winning. I think the, it's an open-ended question right now about whether Cam Thomas, what he does, he puts up spectacular numbers and he's fun to watch. Does he impact winning? I think that's something that's- The Andre Iguodala Memorial Award for uh, impact winning. Andre Iguodala, he's like, it's the Shane Battier was called the No Stats All-Star by yeah. Michael Lewis in a, that piece for the uh, Times Sunday Magazine years ago. That's Iguodala during his Warriors days, right? Like the No Stats All-Star. Like uh, Iguodala probably had better, better stats than Battier, but uh, Andre was hugely important without the numbers. The numbers don't tell us everything. And we as the media, I, I, we do have a responsibility. And I think yeah. we do as best a job as we can to say, guys, watch Iguodala. He really matters a lot. But did we did we ever make him sixth man of the year? Like, did he ever actually get it? No, but he did get he finals did. MVP. He did get finals MVP, and which uh, we get killed for that. Um, I voted for LeBron that year, but um, I get killed for that too. But I, I think it's an uphill battle yeah. because every kid on the playground, every guy at the at the proverbial bar you were alluding to, or the proverbial barbershop, or anywhere else, the water cooler. There are no water I'm coolers anymore. I'm usually at the wine lounge. No they don't really talk about that. At the wine we can't lounge. say <laughs> gathering around a water cooler because people don't even go to offices anymore, yeah. and they're all drinking their own like freaking bottled water. There's no cooler. Yeah. But if they were gathered around one, they would be talking in points per game. No matter how many times we thump them over the head with effective field goal percentage or PER or win shares or anything else or defense. Um, you know what we just what me and Stefan say when we're talking? That motherfucker ain't going to the playoffs next. <laughs> <laughs> he's a bucket though. He's, he's, he's a, a bucket though. He's a bucket though. Hey, and I say all that to say, I can't wait to watch Cam Thomas tonight. Can't fucking wait. He, he's he's a bucket. Let's fucking go. He's a bucket. <laughs> if you guys know the meme, you know, I don't know if you guys see the meme. There's the guy sitting on the bus and one side is darkness and yeah, one yeah. side is nice. Yeah. Cam Thomas is the absolute. The dark side is analytics. The other side, that boy, nice. That yeah. boy, <laughs> nice. He is, he is the epitome of that meme for oh, sure. He, he's going to, Cam Thomas, when he's out of the league at some point, um, and I'm not saying this anytime soon, but he is going to kick someone's ass on an LA fitness, bro. Just, <laughs> for just, sure. Oh my God. And he's pulling up from half court out there. Like, I'm he's passing, shoot if I'm ever time. on the team with Cam Thomas, I'm passing him the ball all the time. He is our offense in a pickup game. In a four on four. Tell you what, yeah. he ain't passing it back. <laughs> he doesn't have to. It's fine. It's totally fine. <laughs> What's the next question? Man? All right. Dear Real Ones, honestly, what the... This is, no, you can this, curse. You can oh, curse on the show. what Go the ahead. fuck? All right. Let's do it. <laughs> this podcast is one of the great resources to get insight on how players hustle, grit, and grind. Roger's stories are the best examples, yet one team you guys never talk about, the one team Uh-oh. that consists of hardworking chaps led by an old school coach, this team is never discussed. The Charlotte Gentlemen. Hornets? <laughs> Look at the standings. Who's the it? New York Knicks. What are we talking about? Fight their way oh through my the tough God. East, keeping oh my teams God. in the low 100s by fighting, by boxing out, by getting to the rebounds. Um, Jalen Brunson taking charges on a right. rate that other teams do not accomplish. And yes, Roger loves that. He mentioned this when discussing his son's team. Why is it that the podcast establishment? Yes, this even you reason. guys yeah. do not want to discuss defense, starters, and bench, but will always go to shiny topics. You know what? Boxing out, yeah. the real shit, rebounds, yeah. Yeah. second chances. Come on. Yeah. The Knicks deserve it. Apologies that I went on a rant, but that's what makes the real ones R-E-A-L. Oh. Sincerely, Yosef. Oh, my God. That was, that was awesome. 
That was fucking awesome. How are we going to say it any better than he just yeah, did? Yeah, he just said it. Shout out to the Nick. Also, you could go in my motherfucking archives and the real ones and how much I talk about the love that I have for New York City and the love that I have for the New York Knicks. I'll, if you go back, talk about orange and blue Tims in the air. You can go and check my resume. I'll fuck with the energy. I am here for it. However... I do have a West Coast bias. I'm not going to lie. I, I'm sorry. You guys always have the East Coast bias, and you guys don't never give a fuck about what's going on. I just be like, okay, it's cool. It's nice. When I see the Knicks when they come once a year, and when I they're going to be in the Bay Area at some point, I'm going to talk about the Knicks, okay? That's, what, that's when it's going to happen. I, I saw their game against the Lakers the other night in the Garden. It was great. It was awesome. It's great for the game. They lost that game, by the way, um, to a team that is not as good as them. So, you know, Knicks... If you want me to talk about the Knicks, I'm going to tell you my honest opinion. They are a good team. They are a, they're a typical '90s Knicks team. They're they're really they're running gun. They're 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 kicking your ass. You're going to have welts and bruises and shit when you play against them. But they're probably going to lose in like the first or second round. I'm sorry. That just I'm. That's what I see. That's if you want me to talk about the Knicks. That's what I see about this the iteration of this year's team. But I love the energy. I love orange and orange and blue skies, baby. We see you. Tim's in the air. I got love for all the boroughs we hear. Okay? That's 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 my take on the Knicks. Um, the Knicks need to get Julius Randle back. Uh, that's going to be a little bit. They need to get OG Ananobi back. But that team at full strength, and eventually Mitchell Robinson could still be back this season. That team at full strength. And, they, and then, and they, by the way. Can they sneak into the conference finals? Real quick. They may have another move left in them before Thursday too. Like okay. if they if they want to go get another playmaker to, to more or less replace the quickly roll off the bench or whatever, like they've got the resources to do it. They have done an, an incredible job of building this team very methodically, not taking the big swing. Now they did take the big swing when they offloaded Porzingis and cleared all the cap room, and then they whiffed on Durant, whatever. But <laughs> since then, and that was the previous administration. Y'all can blame Kyrie on that, guys. But but this administration, the Leon Rose administration, they have been as patient as any group has been in the 20 years that I've been here. They've been allowed to be as patient, right? Because it's always been about the owner too. And it's always this ticking time bomb. And even people who have worked there in recent years have told me like, yeah, that, that, that's not gone away, but they've had enough success that it's kept the owner at bay. It's kept him in check. They've done a phenomenal job of just methodically building this thing where it's been hitting singles, not home runs. It's been not trying to win the back page headline or trying to win the press conference. That's always what the, the Knicks were guilty of. And they haven't done that. Even the Jalen Brunson thing, right? Like they they found, like uh, somebody just noted this the other day. I think it was Dan Devine wrote about this. Like you don't, uh, you know, you don't get superstars in free agency anymore. You only get them via trade. Turns out the Knicks did get one. Yeah. And we just didn't know it at the time. But again, that literally at the time is when it mattered. They got him at a time when it was like, oh. Uh, it was an undervalued asset. Yeah, phenomenal bet by them. And a contract that at the time I didn't, but some people were saying, oh, they overpaid a little bit I for said, I said, this is, this is one of my worst takes I've ever made. Howard, I said that the <laughs> I said that the Knicks were doing the Mavericks a favor taking Jalen Brunson. Oof, that was tough. Yeah, that's that's that is, uh props to you for admitting that on air. Oh um, yeah, we do our yeah, you know what I mean? We're real um, ones. But but they've they've put this thing together the right way. And even like the Ananobi move, it's like, yeah, exactly what they needed. And also perfect Nick. And that's the other thing. Like to your point, like 
these guys feel like a great Knicks team. They they vibe with this city because of the way they play and the grit that they show. And because if you go, like you go back to the 90s, it's funny, when I first moved to New York in 2004, it always struck me, whether it was the media or fans here, they talked about the 90s Knicks. You would think that they were the ones, the champ, the franchise that won six titles. They didn't win a championship? Uh, I, During the 90s? I need to sure? double check, but okay. I'm pretty sure okay. they did not win any, <laughs> and they went to the finals twice. You know who else went to the finals twice and lost in the 90s? The Utah Jazz. But they, you, we do not speak with the reverence of the Utah Jazz as we do of the 90s Knicks. We do not. But it's dude, also the behavior of their stars did not really age well, and that that plays a part as well. But go ahead, did not. Um, but the the Knicks have it partially because it's New York. It's dude, it's New York exceptionalism. There's no way of getting hey, around. I'm just it. gonna say, just even, like this is like my fourth time coming to New York, and I just gotta say, like, the, I respect the New York energy so much. I see why y'all don't give a fuck about anybody else or anything. I see it. I understand. I wouldn't either. It was funny. So I moved here in in 04. So not only do they speak about the Knicks in these reverential ways, which I get it. Those were like really important teams and they did a lot, but no, they did not win any titles. But then I was like, it's like the garden at that time was before they'd renovated the garden. The garden always just smelled well, like stale raggedy? beer. Wasn't it I mean, it's it was, kind of still raggedy now. Yeah, but, but yeah. it also smelled like stale beer and elephants. Yeah. Um, because the circus would come through. And LaGuardia was like a disaster. And the subways are what they are. And I looked around. I realized one day after living here, I'm like, New York doesn't have to fix any of this because it's fucking New York. Yeah. Like, we don't give a shit. You're going to come here anyway. You're going to spend your, your tourist dollars. Yeah. And we're New York. We don't care. Now, to... I love it. To the, to, I to, fucking love it. <laughs> but that said, they did spend a billion plus to renovate the garden. Um, they have been spending billions to renovate LaGuardia. LaGuardia is actually a respectable LaGuardia's airport nice, now. Yeah. I don't know how that happened. I'm going to Newark, nice. so I haven't seen the new LaGuardia yet. Oh, dude, the new LaGuardia, like you, it, it's unrecognizable. Okay. Um, so they have fixed some of these things to their credit. They even fixed the Knicks. How about that? Um, but yes, there, there, there is something in this city that's a little bit of like, fuck it, like we're, we're New York. We don't have to try to prove anything to you. Man, but, I was outside a fucking store yesterday and they made me have a take. I was with the homie and they made us fucking um, have a 15 minute wait to get into this store in Soho. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? Fuck you. And also put me on the list because I want to come in. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> no, all right. All right. Anyways. The, the, the Knicks are great. Um, can they make the conference finals? Absolutely. Can they make the finals? Like, I'm not ruling anything out now because the Celtics have just been goofy enough the last couple of weeks. I don't trust um, the Celtics, man. I don't our, trust our, the Celtics. Our boss, Bill Simmons, has even said, I think, on record, he's a little nervous about the Knicks. He should be. And he's, and he's always nervous about his own team anyway. The Sixers have just lost Embiid to knee surgery. It's not a procedure. It's a surgery. On a meniscus tear, I believe. On a meniscus tear. He's going to be gone for some amount of time. So the Sixers are in, in a little bit in doubt. The Bucks have been shaky. Like, if the Celtics are the clear number one in the East, there is no clear number two, and it might be the Knicks. Hey, finals in New York. I have bad. I'm going to tell you that right fucking now. I will come back. I will come back. It kind of messes with my airline miles, though. Like, I, I need, I need my- I, it, it helps my airline miles. <laughs> JV, check it out. I'm coming to New York. I'm coming back. Anyways, one last question. Do we have any more questions? That's it? No more questions. Okay, all right. That has been another edition of motherfucking Mondays, we we have no show on Thursday. I am in transit, um, so we will see you guys next Monday. Me, Howard, and Raja back on motherfucking Mondays, back on the Riverside Airwaves. We will see you guys next week. Tap in, ah, all the shits. Shout out to New York. We see you, Orange Glue Spies, baby. Ah, bang, ah, BX all day. Bye.
Must be 21 years and older, president select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with the Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com backslash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, Vermont, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org backslash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit KS Gambling Help in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero. Stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gamblernet in West Virginia, or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call one eight hundred three two seven five zero five zero for twenty four seven support in Massachusetts, or call one eight seven seven eight Hope NY or text Hope NY in New York. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just... Once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. 